Welcome back to the Limerick Post News Roundup, where we bring you the week's news in bite-sized portions. This podcast is for the issue May 4th, 2019, and it's brought to you in association with Riverfest, the bank holiday weekend celebrations. Hey, Bernie, thanks for joining bring me today. On. How are you getting on? Looking forward to the bank holiday weekend celebrations, and we'll be out there with our burgers and our bangers, and we'll be feeding the nation, courtesy of the Limerick Post. We so will indeed, drop, and raising a few by. bob for... Uh, Limerick Autism Group. We are indeed, yes. If people want to make a contribution, the food is free, but any 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 contribution will be gratefully accepted. And a very worthy cause as well. Uh, Bernie, a couple of nice news stories in this week's paper. The Gardaí Youth Awards. Yes, yeah, the Gardaí uh, are celebrating the best of, of Limerick's, Limerick's young people. Um, one gentleman by the name of Sean Burns from Palace Green, he was born with spina bifida, but he doesn't let anything stop him. He's quite an extraordinary young young man. He's already done four, uh, four, done the Great Limerick Run four times. He's into wheelchair basketball. He's into swimming. He's into all kinds of sports you could possibly imagine, and never ever lets it, any of it get him down. Sounds like a very active young man, all right. He certainly is. He's a shining example to the rest yeah. of us couch potatoes. That's for <laughs> sure. Um, and another, another twenty-four other young people got awards in one in one group. They are the um, the transition year people from Ordskolwira in Corbley. And they were got their award for uh, innovation, social innovation. They took, they've they've written out this little, they've made a bookmark, which reminds people, young people, of the law concerning te- dis- sexting, which is taking photographs of people and and posting posting naked photographs of people. So they've brought out a bookmark, actually outlining why this is illegal and what can happen if you're caught doing it. So um, they've they got an award, all twenty four of them, for that particular innovation. And but he's the national. Garda Youth Awards or the local ones? Yes, they were the National Garda Youth Awards. Of course, we've yeah. had we've had the Youth Awards in Limerick City for quite some time. Yeah. These are the first uh, National Garda Youth Awards. And yeah, Limerick certainly got plenty of honourable mention at yeah, it. It's brilliant to see Limerick represented there as well. And uh, now we have a story about uh, carers. Yeah, yeah, not quite such a happy story, I'm afraid. Um, no. 120 carers had a conference in the city uh, last week, family carers. So people looking after elderly parents, people in the family with a disability. And they have been outlining why their lives can be very difficult. Um, one of the biggest problems always has been with carers, and still is apparently, is access to respite care. And they're just distant enough of it. They also spoke about some of the difficulties in transitioning somebody with a disability from the, the school, the child services into adult services. That apparently can be quite tricky. And of course, money is always an issue. Carers' allowance is not is not very is not very big. Being a family carer, so, I'd imagine it's more than a full time job. It's almost twenty four seven. It is twenty four seven for most of them because um, you have to be available all night. You have to be. There's no holidays from it as such. So that respite care is very very important, but it is quite thin on the ground, and most of them say they could do with a lot more of it. Um, also, having to be means tested for carers' allowance. Is, is something which rubs them up the wrong way because they're doing they're saving the state a fortune mm-hmm. by doing this job and keeping somebody at home instead of putting them into state care um, is, is literally saving the, the state a fortune. So it's really rubbing salt in the wound that they have to go through the mill of uh, applying for it and having it means tested because if you're a full-time carer, you're not working outside the home. And, and is this part of their campaign to try to get this resolved or...? Yes, I think so. Um, other other issues that they that they raised were transport, therapies, uh, access to um, medical and physio and occupational therapy and things like that. All again issues that are not being fully or properly addressed and which they would like to see addressed. I think this feeds into a story of your own from last week as well about the speech and language therapists. Um, 
That's right, yes. The there's, an, list. there's an incredible... I don't, a thousand, I, don't, I think. Was the, yeah, the I don't have the figure exactly at hand, but it was over a thousand yeah. waiting for speech and language therapy. Um, and there doesn't seem to be very much of a, an adequate reply from the HSE as to why this should be. They simply say that they provide speech and langu language appointments within their resources. So, I mean, obviously they don't have enough resources. And if that means staffing, that's that's one thing. If it means money for staffing, that's quite another. But generally, all of these, all of these, um, all of these treatments and therapies seem to be the waiting lists are just getting longer. Unless you have private medical insurance that covers it, you can be waiting, for instance, for up to two years for a physio appointment in some some parts of the county. And in terms of this family care as well, it seems to be a story that's repeating itself. It is, yes, uh, definitely, Keane. It's it's something that we keep coming back to. And I'm sad to say that every time we come back to it, I don't see that very much has improved for them. Um, and I think everybody knows somebody who's in the position of being a family carer. Mm -hmm. And it really is a tough, tough job. So there's more on that story in this week's paper and online. And just to leave you on a positive note, Bernie, what are you looking forward to most this weekend at Riverfest? Oh, hamburger. <laughs> <laughs> Mine, of course. Very good. Yes, we're looking forward to the barbecue. We always have great, great crack with it. And of course, we have lots of friendly rivalry with Live 95 <laughs> and the Limerick leader. So um, we'll be we'll be farting rotten tomatoes at each other we're, we're and, feeding, and feeding everybody who comes up. <laughs> Brilliant. Thanks very much, Bernie. Thanks, Keen. Joining me in the studio now is Head of News, Jerry Collison. Jerry, thanks for joining me. No problem at all, Cian. How are you getting on? Not bad at all. It's Wednesday. Paper has just been put to bed, so it's the red setter hour. Lovely. And uh, there's a story in this week's paper by David Raleigh about more armed guards on Limerick streets. Yeah. Um, David, now we have appointed as a special correspondent with us, and he certainly has delivered the goods this week. Um, among the stories he's, he's done is there's one where um, there's a move now for more armed guardy to be deployed in Limerick, and that's to prevent against a resurgence in organised crime. Um, that doesn't mean necessarily that things have gone any worse or any better. It just is that um, the new chief superintendent, Jerry Roach, um, he's very determined to ensure that the um, gang warfare and the violence that marred so much of, uh, of, of the last decade or last 15 years even, that there'll be no um, re-emergence of that. And he has confirmed that there'll be two additional armed support units will be deployed over the next few weeks uh, in, in, in the county and city. Um, there are already two armed support units, and this will bring the number of armed guardy in Limerick to around 70, which is fairly significant. Now, the ASU units, the armed support units, um, there would be about 18 members, 12 to 18 members in those. The rest then would be made up of uh, armed detectives. So uh, it's a fairly significant uh, amount of firepower. But, um, you know, given what has happened and given the history of the city, I think it's something that most people will, will recommend. It sounds a bit daunting when you say the numbers, but uh, it's there to stop something from happening rather than... Absolutely, yeah. And there's been so much of an effort and so much sacrificed and so much lost, um, you know, in ensuring that we are where we are now that it would be a shame to, to actually see it dissipate, you know, for want of resources. So that's certainly something that the Chief Super is doing. He seems to be, you know, just putting in the necessary resources in there. And that story from David Raleigh is available in this week's paper. And then we have a, a few stories from Alan Jakes in terms of the council, one of them being the dire directly elected mayors. Yeah, um, yeah, this is something now, the, 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 the last meeting of the present council uh, was held last Monday. 
And um, overshadowing that was, was um, this uh, move where there'll be uh, the plebiscite on the 24th of May. That'll be in conjunction with the local elections and also with the European elections. And basically what that is for the people of Limerick to decide whether they want a directly elected mayor or not. So um, no less a person than the Taoiseach Leo Varadkar is kicking the ball off um, tomorrow evening uh, when he has a town hall style meeting out in Toman Park. And he will be more or less and has been campaigning for uh, the people to support uh, the notion of a directly elected mayor. Uh, he feels that it'll be something that will give an extra bit of, um, uh, of, of weight to the, to the city's claims when it comes to dealing with um, central government. Um, and uh, It's he not says, all a positive reaction, though, is it? Certainly not, no. In, in the meeting itself, in last Monday's meeting, um, the, um, number of the, a number of the councillors came out and had said that it was a, a, an unnecessary extravagance, was their words. Now, there, there might be some, some uh, sympathy and some backing for their view because this role is going to cost almost a half a million euro. Um, you know, in terms of support and also the, the mayor's salary. And uh, the very first mayor of, of Limerick City and County, Kevin Sheehan, was the first man into the ring. And he said that, he, it, that the cost just couldn't be justified. Um, he, his line was that we didn't need two people running the show, that there was already a chief executive in Conmurray, and uh, that the councillors themselves had their own ambitions for the area. So they, and, and he wasn't the only one. There were several um, councillors that came along and backed his point of view that it was unnecessary. So it'll be very interesting to see if the Taoiseach and the people who are behind the plebiscite will uh, manage to convince the councillors and the public of the need for a directly elected mayor. And with Kevin Sheehan there saying that there's no need for two people running the show at the moment, we have two mayors. We do indeed, but not for very much longer um, because the councillors had... Um, they had, had voted at the meeting on Monday um, to end this situation where you have a mayor of the city and county, whom many would refer to as the major mayor, and then you have uh, a mayor of the city, uh, that's the metropolitan area, and, uh, you know, referred to as the, as the mini-mayor. So it's more or less to put an end to that. So um, they voted that in future that the uh, mayor of the metropolitan area will be known as the Cahirlock. And uh, that was passed um, by a fairly significant majority, 16 votes to six. And, um, and you know, that's where it's going to go now. And there. will the role of the mini-mayor, as you say, will that be the same, even though it's just a different title? Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Now, it may well lose, uh, you know, a little bit in terms of... Um, you know, the background and the history yeah. to it. And we had one former mayor this week coming out and saying that it was 800 years of history being cast aside, that there would be actually no mayor of Limerick City. But I would say that a lot of people, you know, would have been confused with the idea of two mayors and, um, you know, that this is a way of straightening it out. So it'll mean the, the head person, the lead councillor, let's say, in the metropolitan area would be known as the Cahirlick, which is the way that it is in the other um, districts in the, in the county. And so. with the plebiscite vote coming up, this might be a, it mightn't even be a Cahirlick. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's actually something that, that needs to be addressed because there's no great clarity about it. And, and in fact, 
Um, it's probably a good thing that the Taoiseach is coming down tomorrow to, to uh, lead the way on this because um, there seems to be, you know, a lot of convincing that needs to be done as to why we should have a directly elected mayor. You know, it has to be spelled out, not in general terms, you know, that it's going to, you know, match the city's ambition and all that sort of stuff. I mean, there are actually going to have to be, you know, fairly concrete and upfront examples as to why we should spend almost a half a million on this position and what benefit it can have for the city. Especially with just a month to go to the votes as well, you know. Yep, there you go. And uh, with the votes coming up as well, um, we're saying goodbye to a few councillors. Yeah, we are. And and actually, there's there's a few now that are leaving and there will be, there'll be a loss to us and the other members of the press because quite a few of them were always good for the good, colourful quote. Um, none more so than, than, than John Gilligan. Um, who had created, you know, plenty of mischief in the in, in the council chamber? He's one of seven that are are saying goodbye to it. Um, so they were all um, given their their chances to say their farewells, and uh, they got a little presentation and the whole lot. Uh, and along with John Gilligan, we had um, a Fianna Fáil councillor, Noel Gleeson, who has been a public representative for twenty nine years. And uh, he and John Gilligan, for that matter, had said how great it was to see young faces coming along the way. And um, they were they're joined by some some younger vintage like Lisa Marie Sheehy, who was who wasn't even born when Councillor Gleeson was first elected in 1985. And she had said that her time was enlightening, which could be interpreted in a number of ways. <laughs> but uh, 25 years of age and she did make a difference to her community in, in Capamore, Kilmallock. Um, there's also um, a farewell to uh, Michael Horrigan, Fine Gael councillor, uh, who had 20 years as a public representative in Limerick City North. Uh, he also served as, as mayor. And uh, Bill O'Donnell, another uh, person who had, who had uh, Fine Gael councillor, who had been Capamorkel Malik for 10 years. So he also said his farewell. Um, another one was the uh, Sinn Féin councillor for Adair Rathkeel, Kira McMahon. And she described it as uh, bittersweet, her departure. And then uh, finally, uh, Vivian Crowley, who was co-opted onto the, onto the council as a replacement for her, her father, um, Joe, who was a, a well-known and well-loved uh, man in, in, in the city. He died in 2016 and Vivian took over from him and she said she was very sad to be leaving lo- local politics. So... That's some of the councillors that won't be running this uh, election time, but uh, the ones that were, some of them were over in Doris Limney today to sign up for an anti-racism election protocol. And uh, I was speaking to Sean McSweeney, he's the CEO of Doris Limney, and he had this to say about the turnout. Well, Doris Limney is a member of ENAR Ireland, and ENAR Ireland stands for the European Network Against Racism. And ENAR Ireland relaunched their anti-racism election protocol a few weeks ago for the upcoming elections. And it's basically it's asking all the election candidates to sign up and, and to endorse it, to agree not to use any words or images in their, in, when they're promoting their, their election uh, candidacy that, that would either um, reinforce stereotypes or be uh, racist or be discriminatory in nature. Jerry, thanks very much for joining us. You're very welcome. And so are you. Pleasure, as always. Joining me in the studio now is Megan Scully. Megan, how are you getting on? Your first week done with the Limerick Post. I'm good. A great week. I'm still here, which I think is a good sign. You survived, yeah, especially <laughs> with the, all, all the videos and photos we were taking. 
I tell you, people will be sick of my face. <laughs> I was speaking to Bernie earlier. She's really excited about the barbecue competition coming up for Riverfest. I know. I'm very excited. I've been roped in, but I, I'm willingly going to do it. Um, I don't know if my friends heard that I was cooking flipping burgers and doing whatnot. I'm not <laughs> sure that they'd, they'd stay away. Me. Yeah. Um, look, I'm going to give it a go. I love barbecues myself. I love eating barbecue food. So I think it'll be great crack. I think the atmosphere, the buzz, and also the fierce competition. As I said to you earlier, I'm very competitive. So uh, let's see if that streak comes out in the day. So you might be eating instead of, uh, you'll be our biggest customer, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> I'll do laps around buying burgers. And uh, you've given some top tips this week for uh, Riverfest, who sponsored this podcast today. Yes. Oh, there's so much going on. And actually, I was chatting to um, a girl earlier that it's her, she's from France, and it's her first time in Ireland um, for this weekend, and she's staying on for the summer. And then she was like, what should I do for the weekend? And I was like, well, first, I said, even just walking all around the city is a great thing to do, and kind of you'll end up stumbling upon things. But, you know, sometimes you need somewhere to start. So I think on Friday, Fashion Friday is always a firm favourite. Obviously, Celia Holman Lee will be there, legend and an icon in the fashion world. And um, emceeing this year will be Louise Cooney, who is an influencer and a native of Limerick. So there'll be fashion shows at half 11 and half 3 and just showcasing basically some of the best fashion in Limerick. So I think that's a nice way to kickstart the Riverfest. I know we'll be down there. Um, I've got my dress ready. Have you got your dress ready? Yeah, I have to iron it. Okay, perfect. Look, once you have it ready now, that's the main thing. Um, <laughs> and then my kind of advice is um, when you finish the first fashion show, head on into the Riverfest uh, Village, which of course is in Arthur's Key itself. Um, it's always a good buzz there, oh, isn't it? That's like my favourite place just to walk around. There'll be music, there'll be food, there'll be little kind of arts and crafts as well. Um, and also the zip line. Now, I've tried for the last couple of years to get on the zip line, and my mother tried last year, but the queue was an hour long. Massive. Yeah, so yeah. this year I was thinking maybe before the fashion show I'll try. I shouldn't be sharing this information because now I might be, everyone might do it. But uh, I'm going to head down there early and try to get on the. Although I've been a dress. Meh. I mean, we, we can work something out. Um, so, yeah, I think that's definitely one. And something from last year that was really popular that's back again is the Irish Naval Vessel. Um, it'll be there in the Docklands. I'm going to head down myself. Um, not just because there'll be loads of sailors there, but because it's a really cool thing to do. There'll also be loads of sailors there, so that's what I'm going to do. <laughs> <laughs> I think you can see where this is going. Um, then one of the big things that I love about Riverfest, which is kind of all in the name, is the river and the water activities. So uh, Nevisail and Get West will have loads of kayaking, stand-up paddle boarding, um, boat tours, everything. And I have to say that if you get a chance, get out on the water. Um, there'll also be Zorbing, which is something I haven't done yet. And I am eyeing up. Um, but look, if I even get to do one water sport, I'll be happy and just watch other people absorbing. Another big thing is, of course, on um, Sunday, the Great Limerick Run, which I'm taking part in myself. If anyone asks, I'm doing the marathon. In real life, I'm doing the 10K, but we're not going to tell anyone. And um, as well, then that night when that kicks off and that finishes up and we're not, we've all had our ice baths and we've had our washdowns and um, the fireworks, King John's Castle absolutely spectacular and I think there's always a brilliant buzz for fireworks in the town and oh, really think, lights up the river as well I think it? anytime if you put on fireworks I think everyone just loves it um, it, it doesn't matter like we're well, obviously there's been somewhere legal but everyone loves fireworks and then this year which is kind of cool and different is the Fidget Feet Aerial Dance Show will be there as well to kind of accompany the fireworks oh, cool. which I think will be absolutely spectacular so yeah that's some of the biggest things and then of course on Monday um, the Street Feast on Catherine Street which I'm very excited for because I think for me Monday's going to be like my day off kind of chilling but then I get to go around and eat loads of food. So it's kind of win-win. But we're also doing a bit of work on the Monday. Yeah, I know, but it'll be children. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not trying to get out of work, don't worry. <laughs> 
but yeah that's kind of my top tips i think that's kind of the 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 that's pretty that's only literally a half of what's going on is that there'll be loads of live music as well and loads of places you're going putting on on shows so just as i said between all the main things i would just walk around the streets of limerick and stumble upon all these like magnificent things another thing we were looking forward to on friday as well is uh swim with limerick because we were yes. about to jump you were about to jump into the river this morning yeah i nearly very nearly yeah. did and i was willing to do it but thankfully you're such a good cameraman that you got the <laughs> shot before i jumped in so yeah swim with limerick so um that's sold out as well that's how popular it is every year oh so, so i can't like, swim again well oh, sure i was no, speaking okay. to one of the organizers they said there's a space there if, really? if you want it yeah okay well look maybe because i didn't jump in this week i'll, I'll jump in at riverfest i mean that's kind of the best time to do it and i think if there's a lot of people swimming together at least there'll be a bit of support around me so maybe yeah maybe that could be my, my chance exactly and if you see us popping around at riverfest make sure you come over and say hello and we'll get another quote from you as well exactly you can't miss us we'll be going around yeah. with the microphone and we'll be running all over the place as you said you literally cannot miss us brilliant Megan, enjoy the weekend. I'll be there with you anyway. uh, (laughs) Thanks, Keen. We'll try to have our best fun as possible. Loads of fun to be had. So we're now joined in studio by our sports journalist with Sporting Limerick, John Keogh. John, thanks for joining us. No problem, Keen. How are you getting on? All good now. Busy, busy week of sports this week. Busy week of sports and our, our first week without Andrew. Yeah, heart- heartbreaking, heartbreaking it is exactly I'm sure he's not listening now anyway no chance now he's moved on like. so how's everything going sports world yeah very busy coming up we've, we've Munster um, this weekend against Treviso in the Pro 14 quarter final at Thoman Park um, good win over Connacht last week you know you don't win any inter-pro easy they weren't at their best but it kind of got the cobwebs from the previous week out of the system the disappointment of the Saracens game out of the system and should put them in good stead heading into what will be a tough game against Bennett on there? They've they've impressed. I mean, it's the first time they've ever got to the knockout stages of the Pro Pro Fourteen. They're usually at the bottom, whether it was Pro Twelve or Rabo Direct or whatever it's been called over the years. They like Munster beat had a good win against them a few weeks ago in Treviso, um, thirty seven twenty eight. I think the score was very tough game. They've drawn with Leinster and Ulster in Ireland this year, so they're they're no mugs anymore. There's, there's no question of that. So it's going to be a tough game. But uh, with Bennett and people are expecting them to win it, maybe. But uh, they're in the top four for a reason. Aren't yeah, they? that's it. Like Munster, like traditionally, as I said, it would be oh yeah, on the Italian teams, lads. This is a handy one. Now we we'll just turn up and expect. But this isn't going to be an easy game. Look, Munster will expect to win. Number one, they're going to expect to win any home game, no matter who they play. But you would expect them to come through it, even though Bennett. But I don't think it's going to be as straightforward as people would like to think. Do you think there might be a hangover from the Saracens game, or is yeah, that were, in the past th- this this came up in the in the press conference on Monday with with everyone. You know, it was um, every player. John McGram was asked it as well, and both players, Chris Farrell and John Klein, that were up for interviews, said the same thing. Look, the Connacht game was about getting it out of the system. Mm-hmm. There's going to be some lingering disappointment and. Things like that, and as Chris Farrell saying in, in in one of the articles in the paper this week that, you know, he feels it's a slight change that in Munster's attack will get them over the line in Europe. You know, it's slight changes rather than as we've seen. We see every Munster fan giving out about how much to kick the ball away. That is a deliberate tactic. He's saying they should keep the ball in hand. And there's talk of Munster bringing in a new coach or coaches um, during the summer before the end of the season or at, for next season, I should say. Um, it seems to be in attack is where they're they're looking to do that. Just finally on the Treviso or the Benetton game, Conor Murray cried off before the Connacht game. The warm up looked to be another neck injury. Looked very disappointed coming off. He's fine. He's training back on Monday. And it's Keith a few Earls, positive boosts. Isn't yeah, it? Keith Earls and Joy Carberry back in full training on Tuesday as well. So, look, it's another chance for Munster to 
it's their last chance of silverware. They haven't had silverware since 2011 when they beat Leinster in the Pro 14 final, Pro 12 back then. Um, or the Celtic League again, like it's been <laughs> so many, so many known as so many things over the years now. So they are they're desperate for silverware. I mean, I, I remember talking to Billy Holland at the start of the season. I mean, they lost two semi finals last year in Europe and in the Pro 14. You know, I said it left a sour taste in his mouth the whole summer. You know, so that's been very much, I think, a clear thing since pre season. We need silverware this year. It's not going to be easy. But they beat Connacht, but like their, their chances of finishing top of the, pro, of the Conference A disappeared when Glasgow, Glasgow had a comfortable in over Edinburgh. So they're going to have to do it the hard, but there's no home semi-final. If they beat Benetton, it's Leinster away in the RDS. You know, same last year. The chances against Leinster last year in the RDS. But, you know, they, they'll be going into this game probably near full strength if... Now, they have the three lads back, but yeah, Carberry but, uh, came back a bit early last it, time. Yeah, well... well, well with Joey Carberry, we'll start with ours. With ours, it was a tie injury that happened yeah. in the warm-up again against um, Edinburgh. Sorry, not Edinburgh, against Saracens. Not in the warm-up. It happened in the warm-up before the previous game. I mean, I've had, had enough sleep game. <laughs> so, so ours is a new injury is what I'm saying. Joey Carberry, according to Johan Van Grand, came through the whole week before the Edinburgh game perfectly fine. Just in the game, he did a hamstring again. So obviously, there, there may be a weakness there. So, so he's not going to risk... I was not going to rush them back. So whether they play on Saturday or not, and I mean purely Earls and Carberry will be interesting. I think they will. If they're fit, they'll play. Because he's going to taste knockout rugby. And he's, he's made a very big point to this throughout the season. For the big games, his best team will play. And then uh, we're over to the Gaelic football. Yeah, we've... Yeah, Parranen's talking this week about... He's involved with the Limerick Football Academy. He's just talk, talking how important it is for players to be at the forefront of everything. Now, he's mentioned that in a couple of in, in a previous article. That's talking about the senior inter-county level. He's talking about the underage academy and how just a little word here and there just of encouragement. He's basically saying that it's player-owned now. Everything that happens within structures now is, is being led by players. And I think that that's happening in every sport that... If the players aren't comfortable, they're not going to perform. And mm-hmm. Paz just given an insight into what goes on. He also has a mention for one of the people in the background of Limerick GA, Limerick football in particular, it's a man called John O'Grady from Oula. John does Trojan work and Paz just, it's great to see him highlighted for it because a lot of that kind of work that people like John O'Grady do, it doesn't go, isn't, it doesn't get recognised enough. And Paz just mentions him as well as in the broader context of players leading things within the football academy. But uh, putting players first is always tough in the GA because it is an amateur sport. It is, but where are you without players? I, I know, yeah, but it, it, there's the a wider there yeah, there, there, there's it? a wider context here where yeah. there's going to have to be something happening. Like we mentioned last week, the second round of Limerick Senior Hurling Championship, and if we're just focusing on Limerick, yeah. the second round of that was played last two weeks ago now this weekend, and. They don't play another championship game to the first week of August, and that is still even depending. That, of course, is depending on Limerick's running the Munster Championship, and same for the footballers. So, I mean, that's too much of a gap for club players. They'll play the county league, you know. That's they'll, they'll play that, and oh, the standard is completely different. Yeah. I mean, they, they, it's not a patch within the, the the white heat of a championship game. So, yeah, look, soon enough, if something isn't done for club players, there's going to be. There's going to be things that will happen. A lot of these clubs, you have 20-something lads on a panel mm. and then they're going months without a game. Well, that, there's a few other lads maybe on the Limerick Yeah, that, or, yeah that's it. And it. It's tricky. You know, you had a situation in Cork recently where 
county board came up with a su- suggestion of playing club championship games without teams without their inter-county players was widely <laughs> rejected it was uh, some people saw it as a positive i'd imagine the clubs that saw it as positive didn't have any count county players so it didn't make a difference then yeah there, there's a huge disparity between senior which is the be all and end all now senior inter-county which it seems to be the be all and end all and the club is is, is forgotten about and i think it, it could come to a strike thing where club players will strike yeah. and i think they'll be backed by their inter-county colleagues that are on the inter-county but as well like you'll have a lot of kids looking up to these players like you could imagine someone going out to Adair and seeing yeah. Declan Hannon training or something you that's know, it I mean like if you if you don't what's the point in the clubs existing in the case yeah. they're, they're not just solely there to create club player or to create inter-county players they're there to represent the club like the parish and the, the parish yeah. and everything like that I mean so so like you go to an Adair game as you mentioned you don't see Declan Hannon so what's going on here exactly. like, now? he's with yeah. the county I'm sure that's not good enough no like, no you know so uh, I see uh, hockey is getting a bit of coverage lately with the sport in Limerick. Yeah, Catholic Institute ladies team um, won the the Division Two Hockey League last weekend, the EYHL Hockey League Division Two. It's first year Division Two, and they've won it. So they'll be playing top level hockey next year, ten team competition Division One. Um, Roisin Upton, not surprising that their World Cup star um, was the star for them. She scored two goals. In the three-all draw in regular time and um, scored the winning shuttle, penalty shuttle as well. And we were talking to Roisin after the game and just how important it was for her. She was her first year back with Catholic Institute after spent some time in Dublin and um, over in college in America. And, and it was just she was saying, look, these are the girls I grew up with playing hockey. You know, and it was just how important it was for her to win something with the club. And then they're playing top-level hockey. So it's, so it's huge. We've... We've seen a lot of hockey coverage with our coverage of the of the Munster Boys and Seniors Cup Finals and of course the Kate Russell tournament as well where a lot of just two or three of the winning Crescent team on that Catholic Institute um, winning side as well. So look, it, it's just very positive news for, for Catholic Institute. It's nice to see these minority sports getting a mention as well. Though. Absolutely, yeah. And we had it last week at the cricket as well. Something we're trying to yeah. push as much as we can with sport in Limerick. Brilliant. So uh, we're over onto soccer now with Limerick FC. Big game this week. Yeah, big game I against. Think they're all uh, big games. Every game. <laughs> we, we talk about every every game is a big game, but yeah, it's Bray at home on Friday night. Uh, they've lost their last two games, Limerick. But look, there's no points. They already faced Bray this season. They lost to Bray two 0 up yeah. in early on their first defeat of the season. Yeah. Uh, last one little long for the last week. Fairly controversial circumstances. They got a man sent off. Fairly harshly, I, I wasn't at the game, but from talking to a few people that were and seeing all the reports of the game since, it was, it was a very harsh red card, certainly the penalty harsh as well. But look, it's a huge game against Bray, they need to get back to winning ways. But the bigger issue, as everyone knows, is the off-the-field problems have reared their ugly head again in the recent weeks. The investors that came in to start the season have left. Um, Did they give a reason for this, or is it...? No, they just have decided to... to Pull their investment yeah. because promises that were made early on or start of the season haven't been fulfilled. Yeah. Fulfilled, and it just comes down to again that players' wages weren't paid on time. Similar story to last season, and the there's also ru- there's also rumours of other things with a player who's who, who got an operation. He was getting the operation in Dublin. Player who's out for the season, and the check for his operation bounced and had to be paid by by his father. Um. Yeah, you just can't. There was talk of strike action before that Longford game last week because the players weren't paid. Tommy Barrett's been through this before. It's yeah. very hard on Tommy Barrett. 
And it, it came up a couple of years ago, was it two seasons ago? Last season. Last season, last season yeah. yeah, it was all last season happened. If you remember Limerick that shedded a lot of their better players. Yeah. So any chance of staying up last season very quickly or avoiding relegation playoff last season very quickly dissipated midway through the season when your five or six of your best players leave because they weren't being paid and contractually contractually obliged to cancel their contracts. Limerick looked for them to cancel their contracts as well. Look, it's it's just Another uh, negative, and what seems to be year, two years of just non-stop yeah. negatives now. And these punishments can last a while, like we've seen with Waterford recently. Yeah, well, that's Obviously it. Like with Waterford, it was just they had to be three years in the yeah. top level. I think it's a lot of rubbish what happened with Waterford, ah, yeah. but look. But um, it's not something you'd like to see happen with Limerick if they do get up this year. Yeah, you're just, you're just wondering where does this end? I mean, there's, there's people willing to invest in the club. But the current owner of the club, whether he values the club too highly or just doesn't want to let go of what yeah. he has. But if he values the club at what the rumoured amounts that he, he, he holds the club, the club's value at are astronomical. Because in, the club ha- doesn't have any assets. It doesn't own a stadium. It doesn't have a, a roster of yeah. players that clubs in England, like you see with Shamrock Rovers selling their 17, 18 year old keeper for 500,000 euros. Yeah. Gavin Bazinou on the back of... like. 10, 11 games last season, Man City came in and said, this guy's huge potential, paid half a million for him. Limerick don't have anyone like that. It's not going to happen. So he, he's, Pat O'Sullivan has put a lot of money into Limerick FC. He's not going to recoup it. It's, it's, that, it's that blatant. There's nothing there to recoup in a sense. So it's, it's very unfortunate for him that the legacy that was there just doesn't seem to be there anymore. It's gone. It's everyone seems to be putting their blame on Pat and so it, it, look for me I, I don't know what's going to happen we, we saw it last year and what, all that happened was Tammy Barrett's budget was severely cut at the start of this season yeah. so what, do, what he, do you think the goal should be this year for them then? You don't know like <clears throat> Tommy was talking at the start of the season of pushing for a playoff place and they're in fifth position at the moment they had a very good run of five five games without defeat or five wins in a row it's sorry a four wins season, in a row like. It's a long, long season. So they're coming around to the second time we're playing teams. It was the second time they played Longford. Second time they played Bray this weekend. So it is. I I don't know. It is genuinely dependent. Like Limerick have thirteen or fourteen players. We'll say senior pros. They're all semi-pro players now anyway. But they've they've about twelve or thirteen. That's it. So you talk injuries and suspension. You already had Sean Russell gone for the season with a cruciate ligament injury. Kieran Hanlon's had to play the last four or five weeks coming off the bench because he's not fully fit. You know, cut due to, due to a persistent knee injury. You take the two of them out, you're at the bare bones of lads that aren't ready yet under 17, yeah. under 19 level in the main. So then you add suspensions on top of that, which like the likes of Jason Hughes and Darren Murphy have been picking up yellow cards. Sean, o, Sean McSweeney will be out this weekend because of the red card he picked up last week. Limerick don't have players to bring in to mm-hmm. replace them. It's It's genuinely that simple. So I'd imagine mid table, but the bigger the bigger thing is again, the players not being paid wages. Yeah. You know there was talk before they went up to the Shelburne game and the Longford. If, if they weren't paid, um, before the Longford game, that there was a fair fair chance of strike action. So it doesn't look good. Investors pulling out isn't good. The condition know. the FAO is in isn't good. <laughs> yeah, look, it's, it's soccer, soccer genuine. What happened yeah. at Waterford and St Pat's wasn't good. Yeah. You know, something has to change. It has to change drastically from. I think it'll be a tough time up. for the league in general coming up. Yeah, I, th- I think it is, and it's yeah. ju- it's just look the FAI and yeah, it's it, it's 
there's just big problems there from top to bottom and I, I don't see any real solution fairly quickly here. Yeah. And then uh, in the Junior Cup? Yeah, last weekend, the hopes of an All-Limerick uh, Munster Junior Cup final dissipated. Pike had a penalty shootout win over Newmarket from Clare. But Geraldine sadly lost 1-0 to St. Michael's, a game that was on the Markets field. And um, Pike, yeah, it was Jonathan Grant came off the bench. Um, unbelievable record of goal scoring in the the Limerick Junior the District Premier League. Um, this season, slight injury, saw him not starting. Come on, got the equaliser. Game went to penalties. Pike's keeper, Gary Neville, proving to be the hero for Geraldine's. Big task against a quality team like St. Michael's. St. Michael's are waiting in the FAI Junior final. As it is, and Pike, or sorry, Geraldine's really put it up to them, but St. Michael's class kind of shone through. Could have been 2 or 3 nil. You know, Piker through to their third successive final, huge achievement for them. Um, on the other side of things, the FAI Junior Cup um, Regional were in arbitration last week. We've a long, long process there as well. More problems for the FAI yeah. that um, basically we mentioned it last week that if 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 Regional had lost their case on Thursday, but Ashling and Akati are waiting to see what happens. They're either playing Regional in Limerick. Or they're playing Sheriff up in Dublin. And we mentioned last week about them... There was an open letter. Correctly, about, about opening letters and how farcical the situation yeah. was. So we're waiting to see what happens there as well. But yeah, and there's a big, big weekend in, in local soccer this weekend. But just just on Pike's achievement, massive achievement for them to make three in a row. Brilliant. John, thanks for joining us. And on the front page of the Post Sport today, there's the something for the weekend. Telling everyone it's on television, what sports to watch and what's available to them. As always, our sports content is brought to you with, in conjunction with Sporting Limerick, where more sports news is available online at limerickpost.ie and in this week's paper. John, cheers for joining us. Thanks, Kane. Good luck. This week's podcast is brought to you in association with Riverfest, the city's premier summer festival. I'm now joined in studio by Eric Fitzgerald. The Good evening to you, Kane. God of the entertainments. Thanks very much Limerick indeed. Post. How are you this I'm evening? I'm not too bad. How are you? You're looking forward to the weekend. I am indeed. I'm looking yeah, I'm looking through it. Yeah, there's a there's a few a few little highlights I think that we'd be looking forward to. And uh, we've the barbecue on Saturday. We're all taking part. Yeah, the, the barbecue. Yeah. There's always the barbecue and the yeah. free food. That's exactly. probably that's probably one of the best bits, you know. So I'll be I'll be keeping an eye out for abandoned pharmacy called Felonies as well. They're a Wicklow four piece, and uh, they've been doing really well. They've won the two uh, FM play in the picnic competition there last year. What kind of tunes would they be playing? And they're young, and they're kind of they're an indie punk crowd, and uh, yeah, a couple of tracks, perfect lie and drunk really good tracks and they're playing on Friday the 3rd it's my it's my tip yeah. it's my outsider tip Indie Punk seems to be making a comeback doesn't it especially in pharmacy yeah, yeah. yeah they seem to be supporting them you know and, and they seem to find a place yeah speaking of which actually DIY LK um, they're running a gig as well in pharmacy as well with um, Anna's anchor nice so one. our good pal Marty Ryan who I think for the last two or three years been running loads of gigs in pharmacy running gigs for other people and he might do the odd solo support or something. But this time, he's bringing the entire band and he's going to be able to play um, his, his full album, Everybody's Welcome, with the full band. Because it's, it's a really, it's an electric experience when he's the full band with him. Different you know, vibe think. to a punk gig though, is it? It is, yeah, yeah, yeah. It is more electric when he's playing, you know, with, with the full crowd, uh, with the, the, the full band playing. And the, the songs really come across with that kind of emo punk thing that he does. And um, he's damn good at it. He's getting better and better all the time. You know, so there's a couple, there's a couple of things on the... On the outskirts there a couple of alternative things to be trying out of, of over the week you know nice one so uh, we were chatting to Megan earlier about everything going on with Riverfest this weekend you're looking a bit further ahead 
Yes. Uh, so this week uh, we had a little uh, chat uh, with Deirdre Kane, and Deirdre Kane is actually on stage in UCH, and it will be Thursday, May the 9th, You know, so we'll have come out of River Fest. We'll all be feeling a little sorry for ourselves by Tuesday, Wednesday. So Deirdre's coming come along on the following Thursday then to cheer us all up a little bit. You it's know? a bit different so, from the vibe of Fair City, I think, isn't it? I think so. Yeah, yeah. I think she's probably flying it. <laughs> you know, she's going to have so it's a, the yeah. So her show is the line of O'Kane and uh, she's uh, I mean she's a she's a legend isn't she really in fairness yeah, so yeah. she's a great comedian she's been doing it for years and years uh, you know and, and the parts in Moon Boy that she had and all this you know she's you know a fine actress as well and um, she does good work all the time but she was saying to me that uh, well this particular uh, this particular uh, comedy show is I suppose almost two years old now so she's taking it for the, the last few grains of her line she of had it here in Limerick last year didn't she, she had it yeah. she came to the warehouse actually yeah, it's I think, very well you know? received as well as I recall it went down yeah. a storm a lot of people good buzz around about it so probably that's why she's in UCH this time the bigger, bigger capacity yeah. bigger room and um like I say, it's the last time around. So what's she chatting about? She's chatting about her turn on Dancing with the Stars, which was uh, last year. And um, she's talking about things about turning 50 and having a teenage kid and uh, combining the fact that Dancing with the Stars, as she says herself, it nearly killed her, you know, physically. It was super demanding on her. And uh, But she got to the final. And in the final, she was competing against two people combined age uh, younger than she was. So she made it to the last yeah, three. And her competitive streak got her there. And uh, I think she had great fun with it, but I think she was in, 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 in bits and pieces afterwards, you know. But she said the experience, it was um, the backstage experience. Uh, she was talking about a lot of um, what she might talk about on stage. I say a lot of things now she probably wouldn't say in an interview, <laughs> but she might be able to tell a few tall tales and, and, and good stories from behind the veil there on the TV show. Uh, that's on Thursday week, you know. So we were just chatting, shooting the breeze about that. And um, also... Actually, well, I was reminded that she has this movie uh, Noble out, which is the, um, uh, the biopic of Christine Noble, who was um, she, she started the Christine Noble Children's Foundation, uh, a woman out of Dublin who had a very rough life, um, adopted very young and escaped onto the streets, lived on the streets. But ended up um, working in Vietnam and setting up a children's foundation for looking after uh, children that, that were abandoned and abused in Vietnam. So the uh, Christine Noble is at the grand age of 74, but, but Deirdre and her husband made this movie um, in 2015 about her life. And uh, it's a remarkable movie. And, you know, because it was 2015, you kind of, it's, it's sometimes there'd be these movies slip away a little yeah, bit, yeah. you know, and you kind of, uh, yeah, and we were just chatting about it, how good it was. But the good news was that um, because she's got the movie up on Amazon Prime, it's um, getting a lot of traction again a wider in audience the US. People well, who might have missed it as well. Yeah. Finding the audience, and it's, 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 it's a universal story. It's, it's, it's wherever, if you can follow the story, it's, it's a universal charm to it. And, and, and the, the, the brilliant depiction by Deirdre herself and um, but as she was saying yeah if I read through some of the reviews like they were practically all five star reviews and that's from customers you know which that's are the best kind of reviews exactly yeah people have <laughs> actually know? seen it so that's, that's Deirdre uh, so yeah an absolute Irish legend uh, taking her line of O'Kane for one last romp around it's very hard to say it keeps saying the line of O'Kane all the time <laughs> <laughs> that's slipping up but uh, so yeah that's that's um and uh, yeah, and uh, even uh, the we were just looking at the podcasts that were popular during the week. Uh, 
as well as your own, of course, Keen. Um, <laughs> but uh, Deirdre also turned up on that, on the, the lapse of your life by Duran Geraghty. And uh, the, she told some great yarns on that as well. So Duren if you're flicking around as well, after listening to Keen here, we might uh, check, <laughs> check that one out, the lapse of your life. I know but, this is uh, the first uh, stop for everyone on podcasts, you know, to get here and then. Hopefully. That's somewhere to go after, Darren Gary's. <laughs> Get the news and yeah. then move on, you know. <laughs> and uh, we have some new music this week as well. Yeah, right? yeah, we're still we're still getting new music coming into the inbox. And uh, this time around, um, Owen Burke McGuire, uh, he's one of the founders of the record label Wands. And Wands is kind of, it works off that breakbeat kind of stuff and dubstep. And uh, they've been busy out of Limerick and they've, been, they've a few guys working, a few producers working there. And interestingly enough, he um, a lot of the tracks he's making that even the guys do involved in PX Records that we've been talking about, Hazy and all those guys, um, they are starting to ask these guys to make beats for them, and they're going to work raps over them. So these uh, this new EP from uh, what his his name is Forty Hertz. That's his stage name uh, for Owen's music. And um, it's three instrumentals, two uh, electrifying original productions, and then a remix of one of his productions by uh, Axia, who produces a lot of stuff for PX Music. Is this something that we checked out on Bandcamp as well? Totally on Bandcamp. Um, So the name of the EP is Tunes to Pay Rent. So, you know, it's very obvious what you want to do. You want to, you want to help 40 Hertz uh, pay his rent, you know, get onto Bandcamp, have a listen to the stuff. And uh, actually, I uh, downloaded a few bits and pieces on, nice the, on our computer so that you might be able to pick up one or two of those nice tracks. Uh, I, I, I think my favorite is a, is a track called Claire, C-L-A-A-A-I-R. Now, um, so <laughs> Claire. 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 And that sounds like if you're, uh, if you're on the, the, I don't know, maybe from the Gaelic Grounds and Limerick are playing Claire. That's what the Claire crowd. <laughs> <laughs> be roaring and shouting behind the goals, you know. So um, and uh, yeah, I, 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 um, yeah, I'll, I'll admit now that this uh, Owen is actually a, a neighbour of mine from the, my days out in Clonlara, yeah, and nice uh, I, many times I passed his house three doors down. You obviously didn't know this before you. Didn't know what yeah. fame was going to what, what fame <laughs> he was going to get himself into, you know. And uh, he, uh, yeah, he was. You could always hear the drum and bass playing out of the bedroom. That would be ten years ago, yeah. and he's totally developed as a wonderful producer. Great sounds. Uh, favorite track off it for me is Claire, yeah. and uh, yeah, it's a real dubstep monster. And you know, you hopefully you'll turn it up, play it loud, and have a good listen to it. So um, um, we have a little sample of Claire here. Claire here. Claire. Yeah. So if you want to hit play there, <laughs> hit play. Alright, so my in my clear accent. Done. <laughs> <laughs> And again, that can be found on Bandcamp uh, as well. Truly, yeah. If you look under uh, yeah under one W A N Z ones, yeah, you'll cool. find them all there doing all their their stuff. So that's it's it's one or two tracks are uh, albums up there already, nice one. and they're 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 on the way up and making more and more of it. And then uh, forever young, forever I wanna young be festival forever young for the grey haired folks in here uh, <laughs> in the office. You know they're all very excited about this one, the forever young. This festival. is an Alphaville uh, <laughs> reunion <laughs> or something, is, isn't it? It's come out of left field completely. <laughs> 
completely this thing I suppose um, all um, an all 80s festival uh, an announcement came out about this a couple of months ago you know and uh, we're kind of following up on it here now so yeah it's, it is happening in Palmerstown Estate Nace County Kildare tickets are going really well for it and uh, yeah it's it's you know for some of us who grew up in the 80s this this was, was what Top of the Pops looked and sounded like. And the lineup is phenomenal. Like, uh, Human League, Holly Johnson, Level 42, Jimmy Somerville, Bonnie Tyler, Can't Have Everything, Midgeur, Thompson Twins, and then a couple of Hottest Flowers, Heaven 17, Chapao, Big Country. It's, it's literally, uh, it's like just a run of episodes of Top of the Pops from uh, the 80s. And, they, they, and that's, that's only one. half yeah. the... The, the, the lineup over two days but I think it's, it's over the Saturday and Sunday but I think there's a kind of a welcome gigs on the Friday cool. um, so www.foreveryoungfestivals.ie the tickets uh, are tickets are only 107 which is uh, very it's good for a two good, day yeah. festival and uh, it's been run by people uh, uh, called um, Music for Animal Welfare so they're donating some of the proceeds towards animal welfare there's projects. one more checking out so we're going to yeah. have a little chat maybe with them uh, in the next few weeks and find out a little bit more about it. Um, a little bit of mischief maybe for the summer. To I think there's a few us. names there that people will love to check out, even for that process. Well, you know, yeah, it, it's it's such a, it's a collection of acts, and I think it's because it's it's literally just that era. There's a chunk of about eight years there, and every act that's on it seems to have had their golden age mm. in that couple of years. So get out your DeLorean and exactly <laughs> go back in time and stay back in time and, and see how you get on. Nice and um, yeah, well, and, and that's pretty much my news for this week. Except Brilliant. Uh, yeah, enjoy um, enjoy the, the weekend. Yeah. And, uh, are you going for the run? Uh, I'll be there taking photos at the run. I won't be running. Running backwards, trying yeah. to keep up with yeah. what's going on around. I, I'll say as stationary as possible, I think. You know, it'll I be a busy so. weekend. and yeah. Anything you're going to yourself apart from that um, gig on I, Friday? I, well, I, what's, what I'm picking out of the bunch, I think, is is a very obvious altogether. Is, yeah. is the Stunning and the Frank and Walters. Because like, they played fairly classical last year. They were f- Absolutely excellent, you know, and and the Franco Walters were a kind of the unsung heroes at that festival, yeah. and uh, I think yeah, so they're getting a chance to do their do their bit here in Limerick, and uh, they've always been loved, very very loved in Limerick, and I think the combination of the stunning and themselves again is kind of almost taking an e- a golden era from Irish rock and kind of putting it up there and a plate for you, and and uh, that's on the Sunday night uh, of the Riverfest Festival, so yeah, there's absolutely tons going on, and uh, Willie he is DJing doing uh, more. 80s stuff electric dreams while we're still on the subject Brilliant. and uh, that's for folks who uh, can, are still wa- able to walk after the <laughs> run if you make your way down to Dolan's warehouse leave your jersey on most people do and uh, dance around the place till 2 or 3 in the morning and uh, yeah so it was going to be a great weekend Riverfest is always one of those weekends ah, it is. So it's always it's, a buzz around the town it's exactly, always a yeah. buzz around Limerick I think it's the Maybank holiday weekend people are just kind of settling in getting ready for the summer and, hoping uh, for the good weather yeah. what's the, the weather like yeah. Yeah. did you get the forecast I'm well, afraid to I decide not to look at it. Yeah, yeah, I'd rather yeah, just hope. I'm going to ignore it. Just yeah. go out anyway. See what happens. You know? Eric, thanks for joining us for this jump back into the past, into the eighties kind of it was it, yeah. it, we were pretty much in reverse gear there now we're heading back it's, in it's the, nice to have past. some new music as well <laughs> and we'll have some yeah. brand new yeah and, and some brand new dubstep as well then from from Brilliant. uh from 40 hertz as well to check out so cheers eric enjoy your weekend enjoy the weekend Kian. thanks a million see you soon bye so joining me in studio now is rose rush our arts editor rose how are you getting on today Hiya, Keen. I'm just wondering how you're going to handle it now without Andrew Carey I know, with us yeah, forevermore. It's, it's a bit of a change, isn't it? It is indeed. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Best of good luck to him. He's now Corporate Communications Manager at the Well. Good luck yeah. to you, Andrew. And his uh, pantomime career, as Eric was saying, is going to skyrocket. Yeah. <laughs>
hopefully begins on a good note because he's welcoming Leo Bradker there at UL That's tomorrow. It's Thursday, so. yeah, mm. today. Um, Rose, some news in the arts with uh, Hahi Gregory. Yeah, I'm of an era where I remember Charlie Hahi in power and being bounced out of power regularly. Uh, I grew up in a house with a great deal of... We got four broadsheets every day. McGill was guaranteed, McGill magazine. The Phoenix magazine came into the house and I could stop homework every night about nine o'clock to come down and watch the news and programmes like Today Tonight. So, um, and I went down to college and I did politics for my degree. I was so clued into this world once upon a time. Hi Gregory is a show written by another journalist. His name is Colin Murphy who is good form in the genre of documentary plays. And he has a very, very good producer in Fishamble, the new play company, their long-term partners. Two other shows that he's toured to Limerick with include uh, Guaranteed and a subsequent one, Bailout. And they both concern Ireland being in a state of chassis, as we say, during the, the banking crash. His latest product is Hockey Gregory. So he's following that Irish team. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. This is a man for our nation and none too serious. I know Colin Murphy admires uh, the West Wing and Scrap Saturday, such programs very, very much. And as he tells me in interview for this week, uh, his approach to make all this very doughy and heavy fare, how do, you, how do you make it palatable? He makes it for comedy. So he tells me the two central characters, uh, Charlie Hahi and Tony Gregory, played by Morgan C. Jones and Rory Heading, respectively, uh, they're played straight. There are three additional actors who play up to 2025 characters in all and uh, wigs, period costumes going back to the early 80s. Remember Power Shoulders, all of that stuff. And they're, he, I think they're practically encouraged to caricature. So there's an awful lot of running on, rushing off the stage. For anyone too young to remember the high Gregory deal, it was when the late Tony Gregory who was elected uh, to the Oireachtas, surprisingly, to represent the inner city, despite the fact he was a, a career activist in community, but nobody expected him to get that seat. Charlie Hockey had to buy his vote to prop up his home government, and for the worth of his vote to support the Fianna Fáil government, Tony Gregory bargained a package worth 80 million punts, uh, for a the Dublin City at the time, a lot of money, a lot of money, and it, it was very—he was very streetwise with that. Uh, up to four thousand jobs were to be created, at least a clump for four hundred houses for the inner city, another one thousand six hundred for the wider city, uh, investment, the whole lot. So this was an incredible package to revitalise the rundown areas such as the Liberties. Regretfully, it almost came to nothing because how he was, um, his government fell within mm-hmm. eight to ten months. So that sounds like a, an interesting show to it's check out. It's going to be a great and, show. Yeah. It's Anne and Lyme Tree Kane on Friday, May 10. Brilliant. And a lot of laughs are guaranteed, I promise you. And then uh, we're sticking with the stage for another show coming up. Yeah, yeah, we'll go to John Kenny, known for his ability to make us laugh as well. But John is also a really fine and deep character actor. Mm-hmm. He really has a beauty of nuance to him. Anyone who saw him in the Keith Bogue film, All Washed Up, as the central character of a fading actor who tours with his show in a bag and a back. 
Um, you will know what I'm talking about. And he's done other fine drama as well. John has a new show written by uh, a name not known to me. Her name is Katie Holly. He brings the Crowman to uh, Friars Gate on Thursday, May 2nd. That's tomorrow evening at 8pm. Open the bank holiday with that. And that's really all I know about the Crowman, other than he has toured last year with it. And the reviews were fantastic. And seen it in somewhere like Friars Gate, probably worthwhile as well. Yeah, I yeah. think so. Very much a show for that venue. Yeah. Hopefully it'll magnetise the crowds there. And what else is happening in the arts this week, Rose? Okay, it's another show rooted in fact. And this is by Susan Boyle. And I first saw this show and I thought it was magic. Back in the day, uh, a trio comprised of Pius McGrath, Maeve McGrath, not related to each other, and Colm O'Brien, who's now um, chairman of Lime Tree and Bell Table Boards. Uh, they used to pioneer theatre in the Savoy Hotel. Now that venue has become, that venue within the hotel has become a really beautiful room, um, a hospitable room called the library. But back then they would dress it as theatre and bring in one and two person shows. One of these was the Wine Goose Chase by Susan Boyle, who is in love with wine the making of wine, all things to do with viniculture. And it's an interactive show that will now be staged in the basement of the Bell Table, cabaret style, over two nights, Friday the 3rd and Saturday the 4th of the coming bank holiday weekend. And Susan sort of will be centred to us. Uh, there will be wine tastings and she takes us through what is described as a deeply personal look at wine and the art of drinking, sharing tastings with the audience as we gather in Basement Bell Table. It's a cracker of a show. She's a writer and performer and this is co-directed by two very, very, very experienced um, people in theatre, Gina Moxley and Sonia Kelly, who's working with Drew currently. So uh, the standard will be very good. Brilliant. It's a fun show. Sounds like one worth checking out as well. Yeah, last little bit to throw yeah, Jack. Go in. ahead. Yeah. Okay, the Acoustic Club is run by Dominic Taylor and others of Limerick Writer Centre. It operates out of Paddy Kelly's very lovely pub. Um, is this Charlie a monthly Ballons. event? No, it's weekly. Weekly. The Acoustic Club. Okay. His other product on the nail is the Literary Gathering Cane, and that is monthly. Oh, okay. yeah. And usually in a pub venue as well. And the Acoustic Club is weekly, it's late on Tuesday nights. They had a regular performer with them who was a late and lamented dear friend of mine, Aoife McMahon, very close neighbour to Paddy Kelly there on Wolftone Street. Um, Aoife's soul has given up the ghost and in the week since her passing a short time back, um, the Acoustic Club has led a collection in her name on a weekly basis. Thus far, they have 500 euro together. Wow. And this they will present next Tuesday night, the 7th, in a night of music to um, Limerick Search and Rescue as a mark of respect. That's an event worth supporting, isn't it? That's great. Thank you so much for saying that. Um, It's on Tuesday, May the 7th. And again, music and hospitality in the night should be epic. Brilliant. Rose, thanks very much for joining us and filling us in on the arts this week. Always fun. And I'm not missing Andrew Carey at all. (laughs) That's good to hear. Thank you, Rose. So this has been the Limerick Post News Roundup. I'd like to thank our arts editor, Rose Rush, for joining us. Our head of news, Jerry Collison, journalist Bernie English, and Megan Scully, executive producer and presenter of a show coming up. She gave us our tips on Riverfest this week, who are this week's show's sponsor. I'd also like to thank Eric Fitzgerald, our entertainment's editor. As always, you can keep up to date with all Limerick news on limerickpost.ie or following the hashtag keepinglimerickposted across all social media channels. 
Limerickpost.ie and this week's paper you'll find more news, sports, entertainment, arts, pet news, home and living and much much more. As always, we are keeping Limerick posted.